So besides a Sunday morning, uh, during the week, my wife and I connect with a little band of brothers and sisters, people who go to this church right here. It's our community group. And uh, we're an odd little bunch. We've got uh, uh, marrieds, singles. We've got people who've got children, teenagers. We've got people who've got kids who are grown up and they've gone on their own way and they're out of the house. And uh, we just love each other. And I think if um, I had a need... I genuinely think that just about anybody in that group, I think, would probably bend over backwards to help me. If I uh, needed some support or care, or particularly prayer. In fact, our little group, we have this little text thing, and anytime anyone in our group is just going through whatever that's hard or difficult, they shoot out a little text and say, hey, this is what's going on, uh, and then you just see this onslaught of texts. We're on it. We love you, we care for you, I'm already praying, can we bring over a dinner? I mean, that, that kind of stuff is pretty normal for us, and we love to do that together. And a little while ago, we decided we didn't want to just meet for just us, right? Just a bunch of Christians, we love Jesus, we'll meet, and we'll all tell each other that we love Jesus. And we thought, what if we could maybe have some kind of expression as our little mini group, this is not a, a program or a formula, not at all, if we hear of a need, uh, or if we hear of different needs, then we're just going to pray and say, Holy Spirit, do you want us to step into that? Is there something we could do to help or serve or give, uh, or give, give finances or show up or pray about? And so that's actually happened in our group, and we love it. So that we're not just about ourselves, even though we do care for each other, I think in a, in a kind way, we're able to kind of express a little bit of care for others as well. We're not a perfect group, especially the other people in the group, but we're getting there, and uh, we have a good time together. If I could use one word to describe how I feel about the community group that I get to go to with my wife, uh, it will be the word belong. Belong. I, I genuinely feel that I belong in the group. When I show up, it's like, oh, it's, it's us again. And, and I'm, I don't have to pretend. I don't have to try to be something I'm not. I don't have to put on airs or try to be super spiritual or hyper spiritual, I feel welcome there, I feel at ease, I feel like I can just be myself. What a joy to have that in my life. The series that we're in right now, Rhythms, we are looking at practical, roll up your sleeve, action for people who say, I'm a follower of Christ. We've looked at the idea of surrender, your will be done. Prayer, what does that look like in the normal rhythms of your life? How do you talk to God? We've looked at this idea of accountability. That's a tough one, but it's a good one, a necessary thing in our life. And this week, the action, the activity, the normal training of a follower of Christ that I want to challenge all of us and nudge us towards is this same word, and it is the word belong. That as an ongoing, normal rhythm in my life, I would experience a sense of belonging, and I would also give that to others. I think it's an odd training, an odd action in terms of how it is to be a disciple of Christ. And the reason why I say that, and this will already be very familiar to you, is that there are groups to which I know every one of you would say, oh yeah, I'm a part of that group. And then there are groups in your life that you would say, I have ownership over that group. So for example, many of you here today, right, you, you go to work, uh, whatever that looks like for you, uh, Monday morning, you're going to roll into work. For some of you, that's great. For some of you, uh, maybe you don't enjoy your career. But there's a group of people that you probably have to interact with on a daily basis. And for some of you here today, I know that you would say, look, I'm certainly a part of that, but I wouldn't claim any ownership. 
If it were not for work, I would never deliberately choose to spend time with those people. I actually wouldn't. I would do the opposite. I would choose deliberately not to spend time with those people. And you don't view yourself through the lens of that group as like, I'm one of them or one of that, or that's my identity. That's the last thing that you do. In fact, the only reason that you would say I'm a part of that group is because it's your profession and you have to do it. There's a sense of necessity because you've got to pay your bills, you've got to pay the mortgage. Others of you, maybe you grew up in families, maybe you're in a family right now that you would say, man, my family is amazing. We truly love each other, like deep, deep bond of care. I deeply care for these people and I know that they deeply care for me. They would move heaven and earth if anything cropped up in my life that I needed help with at all, I know that they would be there if at all they could possibly be. And you actually view yourself as one of them. This is who I am. This is my identity. I am a, that's my family. That's my tribe. And then, of course, there are others of you, and probably to differing degrees, but to the most extreme, where you would look at your family, you would say, not if I can at all help it. You know, maybe if there's some holiday and I have to, then maybe I will. Some of you are completely estranged by your own choices. Perhaps rightfully so. I don't know. But you would never, ever view yourself through the lens of, look, I recognize there's some semblance of attachment, but I'm not one of them. That's not my people. They are not my tribe. I do not claim ownership. In fact, I really would want to separate myself. Hobbies, interests, events. Some of you are part of things that you just get a bit of joy out of in life. But the truth is, you're able to manage the people that might share that with you and kind of just keep them at arm's length because it's handy. You've got other stuff going on, other priorities. And so you want to keep that at a safe and handy distance. Today, God wants to speak to that, particularly in the context of this. Look at us here together, doing this strange thing. We're all pointed in the same direction, open in our mouths, singing music. What is that about? We do that on a regular basis. Coming here, submitting our lives to the preached word of God, walking out of here saying, how can that affect and change my life so I can be more like Jesus Christ? On a regular basis, whether you're online, whether you're in Alma, or right here today in Mount Pleasant. God wants to challenge that in you. Because it's very, very possible for you to come here, say, oh yeah, I'm a part of this. You might even feel good about community church. You might even say to yourself, you know, I like the place and uh, I feel blessed when I come here and I, I'm glad that I've come. Uh, you know, when I go home, I'm like, I'm glad I did that. And I think, you know, the, I think we're helping other people and, and we're affecting other people and that's great. But the truth is, you're pretty careful how you manage relationships. Just kind of, just a certain distance to whatever degree that you're comfortable with. I'm fond of the place. I don't know if I'd call it family. I like what's happening here. I don't know if I'd call them my tribe. Well, today I believe God wants to challenge this close but not too close thing that I think is in every single one of us. Today wants, God wants to confront the maverick, Han Solo, that was a Star Wars reference. I got it sort of self-made Christianity, like I actually, like you might even say, like I really believe this, yeah, with all of my heart, like I love God, 
I'm following him, I'm living for him, but in terms of how I do that in the context of the church and the church family, you know, I'm just going to manage that carefully because I have responsibilities and priorities and, and, and other things are going on and a certain amount of time that's given to me and, you know, it gets pretty messy sometimes when you really get neck deep with other people. I don't know if I want that. The challenge with that is when Jesus came, I promise you, he came to start a family and it was not some aloof, dysfunctional, broken family. He came to start a family that I think what I get in between a Sunday is a small glimmer that, yeah, I'd be happy to bend over backwards to serve you and to prize you and to celebrate you and to love you and to care for you and to, and, and to pray for you and to just lift you up in life. And how can we do that in the context of kingdom? Like, What does that look like? If I could ask you to do one thing, and by I if I could represent the church right now, if this church could ask you to do one thing, uh, you're actually going to get an A, an A plus for this. It would be this right here. So whether you're online, Alma, or here, we, I, if I could ask you to do one thing, it would be to gather together, like here, where we worship, where we, the, the word of God, and we come together. That would be the one thing that I would ask you to do. So way to go, gold star, everybody, good job. If I could ask you to do one more thing, I would ask you to connect into a band of brothers and sisters who will love you and care for you and that you would do the same for them. There is a level of transformation and spiritual formation that will take place in your life uh, that simply cannot occur in this space but will occur in the other one that I'm describing. When it comes to this idea of belonging, the New Testament has actually has a kind of a favorite little phrase about this very, uh, this very idea. It actually comes up 59 times in just the New Testament alone. And it is this phrase right here. It's one another. So Jesus was creating a family of what might be called one anotherness, if I can use that word. There's all kinds of little statements that you find littered all over the New Testament. Be at peace with one another. Honor one another. Wash one another's feet. Submit to one another. They're really serious about this New Testament. Admonish one another. Speak truth to one another. Be devoted to one another. Now, honestly, coming online or into one of our two campuses on a Sunday for about an hour, what is the likelihood that the opportunity could realistically exist for you to be in relationship with someone so that you could actually speak truth into their life or admonish them or wash their feet or humble yourself or that you would be experiencing mutual submission? And I would say it's certainly possible, but that would be quite the challenge. It's a new way of life. A new kind of community that Jesus introduced. Certainly, I think a family is a good, good description. Change the way how, about how people think about church. Sometimes you drive past a church, you say, look at the building. You say, that's my church. You point at a building. Nobody ever points at a building and says, that's my family. Maybe at a house where they live. But when you're talking about your family, you're pointing not at a building, you're pointing at people. If I could say this in kind of a roundabout way, I don't really think that Jesus ever said, go to church. Now what I mean by that is instead what he said was this, I actually want you to follow me and I want you to be a part of a family. Like ownership, not, not yeah, I, I go to that thing. No, I, I'm a part of a family. I see a sense of identity and tribe in that. Love one another. And for us as community church, the best and clearest way that we 
are attempting pragmatically in ministry to give that opportunity to everybody is simply community groups. What I want to do today is I want to give you like a Costco taster sample. Do you ever get those taster samples? Don't you love that? Do you ever try to put a hat on and go around a second time? I want to give you a taster sample of what a community group looks like, of what it means to belong. So I'm going to give you three, one another's. Here's what it looks like to belong. Number one, carry burdens for one another. I actually love this. Carry burdens for one another. Look at the scripture. We're in Galatians chapter 6. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. In the law of Christ, we get this new commandment, and it's this commandment to love like Jesus loved people. So the law of Jesus is actually beautiful. Sometimes we don't like the word law, but the law of Jesus is beautiful because it tells us to love, and the way that you fulfill that is by carrying another person's burden. I read a story about a woman who phoned up a friend because she knew that her friend was having a bit of a hard time. She said, how are you doing? She said, I'm doing terrible. She said, honestly, my head is splitting and my back and my legs are killing me right now and the kids are just driving me crazy and I'm exhausted and I don't know what to do next and I feel so alone. Well, very sympathetically, her friend on the phone said, right, I want you to go lie down and I want you to get some rest. I'm coming over. I'm coming over to you. I'm going to come over right away. And I'm going to cook you some lunch. And I'm going to clean the house. And I'm going to take care of the kids. And you're going to get some rest. And then she knew that her husband wasn't doing well either. She says, and by the way, while I'm at it, how's your hubby? How's Sam doing? Is he okay? And the woman said, Sam? My husband's name isn't Sam. Oh, dear. I must have called the wrong number. It's a long pause. Are you still coming over? (laughs) What has changed in the world is not the burdens. They're pretty universal and they're pretty consistent. What has changed in this world is not a burden of ill health. What has changed in this world is not a burden of addiction a burden of loneliness or depression. It's not a burden of, oh my goodness, I'm going to pull my hair out and try to manage these children and I feel completely overwhelmed. None of those things have changed. What's changed in this world is quite simply this. Nobody's coming over. Nobody's coming over anymore. We live in a world of unbelievably amazing financial and educational and vocational and technological opportunity. But here's the problem, church. Nobody's coming over anymore. Carry one another's burdens. What an amazing thing for Jesus to say. I like this family. I want to be in that kind of family. Now, does that mean, Pastor Alan, you saying get yourself into a community group so that my life can be crushed by other people's problems? Nope, that's not what I'm saying. Look at what Paul says in chapter 6 of Galatians in just a few verses later. I think it's three verses later in verse 5. He says this one. He says, everyone should carry their own load. Everyone should carry their own load. Well, hang on a second here, Paul. Are you contradicting yourself? Because you seemed in verse 2 to say that we are to bear each other's burdens. And then in verse 5, everyone should carry their own load. Are you making sense? Actually, Paul is making a lot of sense. There's a number of writers who talk about this. Paul is actually using two very different words in Greek when he speaks. And the word load 
Everyone should carry their own load, which is in verse five. It's the idea of like putting a backpack on your back, right? You know, like a kid going to school, you got your two straps and you stick it on your back and off you go. Now the thing about a backpack is, everybody should be able to carry a backpack. It's doable. You can do that and I can do that. I can carry my own backpack and so can you. You're able to do that. But the word for burden in verse two is a much heavier term in Greek and it actually would be akin to the word boulder. I can throw a backpack on my back, no problem. I don't even know if I can get my arms around a boulder. I think, in fact, when it comes to a boulder, I'm probably going to call up somebody and say, is there any chance you could help me move this boulder? I can't get my arms around it, and it's too heavy for me. Maybe the two of us, maybe three of us could carry this boulder, and together we could make a difference. And it's a strange thing, but I promise you this is true. It gets very deep into the spiritual world here, something that's incredibly overlooked. Somebody's carrying a burden, right? They're having a hard time in life and they feel overwhelmed. Not a backpack. Somebody's carrying a burden, a boulder in their life and they feel overwhelmed. They feel shame. They feel like they should have it together, but they don't. And here's the thing. For so many people, what they do is they say, I don't want to tell anybody about that. And there's almost a sense of instant secrecy. I haven't got my act together. Here's an area of my life that perhaps is out of control or I'm not managing as best as I, or the way I think I should or the way I think other people think that I should be able to do that. Deeply depressed, filled with shame. They give this diagnosis to themselves. Something is happening. One of their children is in trouble. They're flying off the handle. They're getting angry at stuff all the time. Their sex life is out of control. Their finances are, they're freaking out. They don't know how they're going to pay their next bill. And they don't know how to share that with anybody. And they feel so obligated to fix it for themselves. And they don't know how to open their mouths about it. And you're with them. And when you're with them in that, you are now beginning to share to carry a burden. Parents, any parents in here, you already know about this. You carry this in a very deep, deep way for your children. Because when your child comes up to you and your child says the one thing that they don't want to say, but it's just undoing them, right? I'm not doing well. I'm not liked. I don't have friends. I feel like I'm getting bullied. I'm not making my grades. I don't think I'm going to get into that college. I'm not passing this class. I'm not coping. I'm feeling depressed. Fill in the blank of the things that our children go through. That child will do everything they can to fix that for themselves and not open their mouth. And they get to this daring moment where they cringe and they say, okay, God, I'm going to actually, to to their parent, I'm going to actually say this. And when they get to the moment where they know that you know and you still care for them. I don't know how this works. They know that you know and you still love and care for them. I'm telling you, instantaneously, that burden begins to become lighter. Just because they know that you know and still you're committed and you care for them. You can do that. You don't need a degree for that. You don't need a PhD for that. Anybody can do that. This is what it looks like to belong. We carry burdens for each other. Secondly, We accept one another. Secondly, we accept one another. Romans chapter 15. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, and I like this ending, in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So, 
we love each other the way Jesus has loved us. Amen? Yeah? We're called to accept each other the way Jesus has accepted us. Amen? Yeah. So here's the question. How has Jesus accepted you? The word warts comes to mind. Just as you are. All your mistakes, all your vices, all your habitual returning to the same junk, all of the most shameful, regretful lies, errors, problems, and pain that you have caused in yourself and in others. Jesus says, I accept you like that. And that's how we're to accept others. You see, what happens when somebody kind of finds finally a place where they can honestly come into a community despite all of those warts, here's typically what comes out of their mouth. Oh, thank God there's a place like this. Thank God that I actually have a place to go to like this. Because, you see, God has planted the seed of a need for acceptance in every one of us. This welcome into the family. You actually need it. Speaking of children, you see children and teenagers clamoring for this. Us grown-ups are no different. A sense of belonging, to be known and wanted, to actually be prized, to be honored, to be celebrated, to be prayed for, to be cared about. And the scripture says, in this particular passage, when you actually do that for somebody else, you know what it does? It actually gives honor and praise and glory to the King of Kings. When you do that for somebody else. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Does anyone want to give that kind of glory to God? Church, I'm going to have to wake us up a little bit this morning, aren't I? I'll never forget bringing my kids home from the hospital. <laughs> my eldest turned 14 this week, and I told him this story, and then it ended up getting in here. And uh, I, I'll never forget this. I genuinely felt this. After we were, he was born, and we were leaving the hospital, like physically going down the elevator through the hallway, I had him in one of those little carrier things, you know, they click into the seat, and... Honestly, I had this thing in my head. I was like, are they just going to let me walk out of this building with the baby? I, I really was like, seriously, I don't think you should let me do that. Do you ever like buy something in a shop and then you walk through those um, security things and the beeper goes off and then you instantly turn around and you're like, here's my bag. And you just got to, I have a receipt, I promise. Like, I felt like walking out like, Kelly, should you, you look responsible, Kelly. Let's have you carry the child. It's just an odd thing never having had a baby before. Uh, it was just this, uh, funny. I, I get home, and there's this little baby. And I'm not joking you. I'm just instantly loving this baby. Just This baby is just taking all of our time. Uh, uh, kind of cramping our style a little bit, to be honest with you. And I'm like, I'm good with this. This is great. Like, this baby is now somehow the center of our world. I'm instantly, what's the word? Accepting this baby in every way. What has the baby done for me? I wrote it down. Crying, pooping, puking, slobbering, peeing, and not sleeping. Amen? All right, we're waking up now. This life comes into the world. I've never seen this baby before. This baby's never done anything for me. And I'm crazy about this child, really for no apparent reason. I do anything for this baby. Instant acceptance. Why? Why? Why am I accepting this child? Because God has placed something of wonder inside every single one of you. It's, it's in you. 
There exists inside of you this irrational commitment for the well-being of other people. It's just there. It's a good thing. It's a godly thing. If you see that in you, man, fan the flame. Allow that to just flourish and blossom in your life. That is a God-given wonder and attachment. It is a longing and a loving and a giving and a generosity and a caring and a serving and and a, a desire to pour out of yourself into somebody else. It's wonderful. You see, not only were you born to truly belong, but there is something inside of you that ought to, that should, that needs to extend that self sense of belonging to another human being. It's this two-way traffic. And I need that in my life. And actually, I need to extend that to someone else. And the world will try to eradicate that. And you may be sitting here saying, I don't actually think I feel like that a lot. That's a red flag. The world will try to erode that away from you and make you Han Solo, maverick, just me. I'll figure out my own Christian thing. I don't need to do it. I'll just keep this handy length distance. It's convenient for me. Your sinful nature. Your sinful nature will spend your entire life trying to numb you to that sense of wonder, that desire and need not only to belong, but to give a sense of belonging and extend that to somebody else. Your sinful nature will spend your lifetime trying to convince you that you can function apart from everybody else, that you can be without, that you can be independent. And God still says over every single life, every single life, he still says it today, it is not good for you to be alone. I want to redeem that in you. Let's take a moment. I want you to watch a little story on a side screen. Our community group is our family away from family. We uh, moved to this area and didn't have any family in this area. And when our kids were young, um, that meant we didn't have grandparents to babysit if we had appointments or uh, anybody we could call if we had a last minute thing. Our family has become our small group and our small group has become our family. It gives us a place to fit in. Um, especially when you're new to the church, kind of like we were, you didn't feel like you kind of had a spot and becoming a member of a community group kind of let us have a little a little spot that we could call home. Oh my goodness. Um, our community group brings a level of um, faith and friendship. They are a family to us. Our community group is a place where we can go and grow together and just really bring our worries and then also our um, praises and be there to support and encourage each other. Uh, for me, my community group is kind of an extension of our family. Uh, we, we moved to Mount Pleasant and didn't have family, so uh, there's nobody close. So we probably see our small group more than we do our, our, uh, our family, so that, that's important for us. You know, in your worst days or your best days, these people are the ones that are just going to love you no matter what. You know, you're not going to know what you're missing until you go out there and you put yourself out there. And it can be really nerve-wracking. Um, it can be kind of scary at times. We've been a part of a couple of them. And we've always gained and learned from each of those experiences. And we've met some wonderful, amazing people who we are still connected with. and. Um, who we are able to share faith with and um, our journey together with. You know, it's a small risk with a high reward. 
you don't realize how important it is until you have it. And so I would say just to, to try one, join one. It's an investment. It takes time to build, but once you have it, it's amazing. And it just makes living your faith um, so much more enjoyable. If you're on the fence about joining a small group, I say jump in. It's always worth it in the end. You will find such great relationships and people to hang out with. Just do it. I'm sure it'll surprise you, the friendships and the things that you have in common. Um, and it's all about growth. So um, you kind of learn and do life together. Easy peasy. I, I love that at the end. Just do it. That's so good. You know, more so than anything they said, what I enjoyed most about watching that little story is, did you catch, like, they're just genuinely laughing. Like, they were laughing, laughing, laughing together. And then I wrote this down um, after I watched it. I said, our group is our family. Our family is our group. I've sat in groups over the years where people have admitted unbelievable stuff. Like, oh, I feel like a complete failure as a dad or as a husband. I've sat in groups over the years where I've heard people say that they truly struggle with gossip or they're prone to jealousy or that they struggle with anger or that, like, they love Jesus, they love God, they believe in God, and they, like, they would say, I never read my Bible. I never... People... Like, I, sometimes I don't even know, like, I believe, and then I'm like, I don't think I believe. I have doubts. I have serious doubts. And these are Christians. And, and they sit in a group, and they'll say something like that. And there's a list that actually goes on. And to watch that happen is a joy. Because you see this sort of tentative admission. You see this, like, I'm not really sure if I can say this, but actually it's the truth so I'm going to risk it, and I'm going to just say something out loud here, and I don't know what's going to happen, or if that's going to be okay, or if they're going to give me the boot, and I'm going to be kicked out of this group, or maybe people will just look down on me. And here's what I would say, church, would you agree, we are a very, very imperfect church, yeah? Full of imperfect people. I know that because I'm a part of that church, right? But here's what I would say. I think we are a church of great acceptors. Great, great acceptors who say when they hear those reservations and concerns and weaknesses who say, well, how about we just come alongside and help and support and pray and care for and address these things in your life so that maybe you could grow and overcome and we'll be with you on that journey. This is what it looks like to belong. We carry burdens for each other and we accept each other. Lastly, number three, confess to one another. Oh, that's a fun one, isn't it? Confess to one another. James chapter 5, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. What I love about that is we get scared of the first part. Oh, I don't want to tell anybody about the stuff that I do wrong. But look what it says. Why? So that they can pray for you and you will be healed. I'd like to be healed. Would you like to be healed in the context of the stuff that we do wrong? Now, I think that's actually super closely related to accepting one another confessing to one another. It's such a powerful practice, the integration of confession, which is really to say, I'm actually going to disclose stuff that I typically would want to hide, and then to say, maybe this people could come, these people could come around me and we could pray, and I could receive healing. That's amazing. That's something that Jesus did all the time. In fact, he had this knack of going up to people and putting his finger on the very thing that they didn't want anyone to know about. He did it over and over again. Zacchaeus is up this tree. He's riddled with greed, and Jesus knows it. 
This woman is at the well. Her past is just a bibliography of shame. She's been married and divorced five times, and look at the culture she's living in. Now she's just shacking up with some guy. Nobody will give her the time of day. No one would even converse with a woman like that. And he puts his finger right on it. Thomas, three years with Jesus. I think it's fair to say he had seen some incredible stuff. No, he's not alive. I don't believe it. I won't believe it till I see it. He's riddled with disbelief. Man, I'd like to think if I saw 10% of what he saw. But he couldn't cope. Got this woman caught in adultery and she is being publicly shamed that still in our culture today, that will still happen particularly to women. Jesus knows all about it. He knows everything that's been thrown and accused her way. And she's guilty. She actually is guilty. And he just loves her. He pronounces forgiveness and healing over her life. And Peter, after he does the one thing that he says he will never do, it says he's weeping bitterly. I mean, he is a broken, broken man. And now Jesus meets with him and says, we're going to talk about this. And you can just see Peter like, I don't want to talk about that. Don't, don't remind me of my betrayal and my denial after Five minutes before that, I said, that's the one thing I wouldn't do. I don't want to know about that. You can see, Peter, it's that sense of Jesus. Does this mean you're not coming over? Oh, no. Jesus says, I'm I'm coming over. I'm here right now, and we're going to bring healing into your life. You see, when Jesus named people's darkest secrets, which he did over and over again, their biggest guilt, their biggest shame, the thing they wanted nobody to know about, it didn't end the relationship with him. In fact, it was the complete opposite. In fact, I think that's why people were just crazy about Jesus Christ, because he would find out the worst things about them, and then he would still just love them and heal them. It's the exact same thing we talked about when parents do that for their children. Church, Don't miss this. You try to hide stuff in your life. You do it because you want to be loved. It's so utterly self-defeating. Because, of course, as long as you are successful at hiding those parts of yourself, you will never experience love from people. Because in your mind, you will be thinking and you will be convinced I see you trying to accept me and carry burdens for me and try to hear what I've done wrong. But the truth is, you can never love me because you don't know what the, the whole truth about me. Here's the irony of it all. Jesus came for sinners. Amen? Wicked people. Wicked people. Lost people. That's who Jesus came for. Wicked people. That's a strong word. Jesus came for messed up, dysfunctional, needy, greedy, seedy people like you and me. And then you get this church thing, and they all come together, and now we take on sort of this role of the immaculate pretenders. What is that? Jesus came for the worst. We all come together and pretend we're the best. Nothing wrong here. Look somewhere else. We're driving in here, screaming at each other in the minivan, fighting all morning. We get in here. How are you? (laughs) Everything's great. Oh, my. The marriage is great. The wife is great. The job is great. It's killing me. The kids are great. The dog is great. I think we could take huge strides as a church in this. How about this? How about this? Would you just agree with me on this? 
How about when we just meet each other and say hello, how about we don't lie? Amen? Would you be willing to do that? Like, just don't lie when you meet a person. So if you've had an awful week and someone says, hey, how's it going there? You just say, you know what? I've, I've had a tough week. How about we just do that? How about we just come out and say, I've got a whole lot more to learn still. The Immaculate Pretenders, they'll kill a church. They'll kill your soul. I want this message to be a guide to every community group. Carry each other's burdens. Accept each other. Confess your sins to each other so that you can be prayed for and healed. And perhaps even more loudly, I want to roll out the carpet for every single person to belong. I want to invite you into a new rhythm. I want you to actively engage with this. You don't even need to pray about it. I'm not even joking you. If God says, go tell people about me, you don't need to pray, should I tell people about Jesus? You just do it. We're looking at surrender. You don't need to pray about, should I surrender to Jesus? You just surrender to Jesus. Prayer. And here's the thing. You don't have to. You can sit on the sidelines if you like. And that's fine. You can come in quietly and you can leave quietly. But I want you to hear what you were built for. I want to invite you. I want to welcome you. I want to offer you the opportunity to belong, to have people in your life, not just any people, but the people of God in your life who will come over and carry your burden and accept you and confess sins. Then you pray and then you find healing. This is the active part of our faith. This is following him. This is training as a disciple. These are normal rhythms for normal followers of Christ. A little over a year ago, we launched an initiative in this church called Advance. Unbelievable. What happened was, in the context of COVID, an incredible outpouring of generosity from you, from this church, for very specific purposes, kingdom initiatives that we felt the Holy Spirit calling us to, planting a church in, in, uh, in Alma, paying off $2 million worth of medical debt in 56 counties around the state of Michigan to people who couldn't pay their debts, and many other things. One of the other things that we did is because we take groups so seriously and a sense of belonging so seriously, we were, for the first time in many, many years, able to bring a person onto our team who would champion that exact thing. They moved from New York several months ago and, and came to be part of our team. Would you give a quick welcome to Shane Lee as he comes up here to tell a story, and then I'll pray in just a second. About four years ago, uh, I was involved in a 21-car pileup on the expressway in the middle of winter. Uh, it was negative seven degrees out. And I think we have a, a video. I was in that black SUV there. Because of that, I was out of work for a little while. My wife was working full-time, and our son was in kindergarten at the time. We were part of a group. And what that group did is they came in and they filled every gap that we had. They provided meals, childcare, rides, you name it. This group stepped up and came alongside of us in a time of our life where we really needed them. And what this group was doing is they were acting on everything Pastor Allen just spoke about in his message. All of these one another's, they were activating that. They were putting it into action. Because you see, that's what groups exist to do. 
And they were doing this because they know in the same manner if something happened to them, I, my family would step up and do the same thing because we're called to do that. We're called to bear each other's burdens. And so groups exist for that exact reason. They exist to love each other, to serve each other, to care for each other, to celebrate each other when we're up and pick each other up when we're down. The crazy thing is, these groups aren't just people that you meet with weekly. These groups become family. Now, we're f here we are four years later. I'm still in contact with every person in that group. We do holidays together. We celebrate birthdays together. We actually have a member of that group in town this weekend visiting. Because again, they become, they become part of your family. And so I'm up here telling you this today because I'm so passionate about you all belonging. I'm up here because I want you all to feel that sense of belonging and know that anytime you're down, you're up, that you have a group of people to come alongside of you in those seasons. And so I'm honored to be able to help you bridge that gap and get you connected and embracing that rhythm of belonging. And so in just a moment, Pastor Allen's going to pray. Uh, but I just want to give you a couple actionable steps. So if you're here in Mount Pleasant, you can meet me in the lobby. There's a table out there. And I would love to help you get signed up for a group. If you're in Alma, Pastor Aaron will help you any way that you can. You can meet him at the Info Center. And if you're online, your host will post a link in the chat right now for you to sign up for a group. So I just want to challenge you today. Step into the rhythm of belonging. Thanks so much, Shane. Appreciate it. All right, church, it's that simple. I would encourage you to move towards belonging as another rhythm in your life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help every person here move away from the fringes and the edges and to absolutely dive in, cannonball in as a core part of this family. I pray that nobody would feel left out or apart or removed or they're not welcome. Lord, I pray that everyone would hear the invitation to be central to this family right now. I pray that there would be none who are in the vulnerable place of being on the edges or isolated or lacking a sense of belonging in their life. Lord, I want to thank you for leaving the Trinity, for embracing cross, the cross's forsaking of the Son so that we could actually be in community with you and with each other. Holy Spirit, I pray you would spur us on to act on the truth of your word right now. And God, I pray you to bless every single group of brothers and sisters who meet in this church and that there would be many more folded into the family we pray this in the name of Jesus. And the whole church together said, God bless.